Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. Today, we have with us two special guests instead of just one. That's Colin and Brent from uh, the blog, The Busby Babe, which is also part of SB Nation's network of sports blogs. So welcome, guys. Good to have you on here today. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. <laughs> and I also have with us our co-host, of course, Jimmy. Yeah, hi. <laughs> yeah, he, he does, doesn't sound in the best of spirits, understandably so. So we all know what happened last night. Uh, Frank Lampard's start to his life as Chelsea manager did not, did, not, did not go exactly as planned. And to say that would probably be an understatement because, you know, the plan absolutely went off the rails. And we lost 4-0 at Old Trafford, which for me, on a personal note, I hate, I hate nothing more than that. So, well, let, let's uh, let's be courteous though, and let's ask Colin and Brent about their their reactions about. I mean, their thoughts on the game now that you know everyone slept on it and everything. So, Colin, do you want to start? Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, I was impressed with United's performance, particularly in the second half. Um, but I do think uh, for a while it was it was pretty anxious on our part. Um, Chelsea created most of the chances in the first half. Um, it, even after Marcus Rashford's penalty kind of killed the morale a little bit, um, they, they hit the post again through Emerson, uh, right before halftime. And I think twice the woodwork saved United and then De Gea the rest of the time. So, uh, I, I don't think there's nothing there for Chelsea, but, uh, yeah, definitely a good start for United to get three points from a big rival. Uh-huh. Well, uh, what about you, Brent? Um... Yeah, I mean, unbelievable results for United, really. And I think um, much better than most of us would have been expecting. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Chelsea United is a, a massive modern fixture in the Premier League. And, um, you know, even though it was a weakened Chelsea side, uh, anytime you can start off your season, especially with so many question marks over team and recruitment, um, to start off your season with such a statement win like that, mm-hmm. um, incredible. Uh, there are still some issues, um, big issues in the team. Um, and I don't think, I don't expect that um, we'll dispatch other uh, quote unquote top six clubs. Uh, maybe we did Chelsea yesterday, um, but yeah, I mean it's a you know fantastic result, good confidence booster um, ahead of the season. Um, I just rewatched the highlights uh, earlier today, and actually one of the sobering things after being so excited by the performance and the goals and the win uh, was actually looking at that Chelsea starting eleven, which to be frank is not very good um you know i think a combination of not being able to replace outgoing players really um, yeah and the injuries you're dealing with um you know taking a look at that, the actual starting 11 for chelsea yesterday uh, the day after maybe puts the result into perspective a little bit yeah no i agree uh, i definitely agree on that like we, we were rather depleted uh, we're missing like five players through injury, and well, the fact of the matter is, 
I think it was still a pretty strong lineup, right? But um, because all of our players were to a decent standard. I mean, we, we obviously can't rely on N'Golo Kante for everything. But uh, listen, Jimmy, uh, we, yeah. we know what the lineup was like. And even if it was, you know, probably not our first choice, how, how gutting was it to go from like, okay, 1-0, we can still get back into the game from, okay, 2, oh my God, 3 from kickoff. And then like, Daniel James just does the business. So, I mean, well, can, can you take us through that? It, Six it was, degrees of turbulence. Yeah, it was a real sucker punch. I mean, I don't know if uh, fellow United fans will uh, agree with this, but I thought we were the dominant side in the first half. I can't remember that one uh, Manchester United attack, which really was dangerous apart from the giveaway Zuma did. I mean... One has to give credit where credit's due. United were super efficient. Um, they really got us good. They left us no chance on the counter. And they, you know, where Chelsea's the, one of the last uh, clubs that should be complaining about play style in regard to, you know, the last decade or two. So it doesn't matter. It's, it's, this is a results-based sport. And United might not have had as much... Uh, chances or I'm not quite sure what the overall possessions that was but I think we had more there as well no use you know what what we're supposed to do with that it was just a dreadful performance in the second half it was a collapse it was total capitulation and we were chasing shadows Mm -hmm. so that just makes it all the more frustrating to think how good we were but it's the same old same old where we just don't take our chances like last season and we pay for it. So it's very difficult to take the positives out of this game, even though, of course, one should. And I know you will because of uh, the debuts for the likes of Mason Mount or um, other such um, things. Uh, So that is, of course, a positive. And he was one of the bright sparks. But, you know, overall, a terrible performance. And, you know... Congratulations to Man United. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, uh, I'm not gonna lie. I was, I was like, I was buzzing when, for the first. I mean, until whenever United scored, because you know we were watching Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham on the pitch together, like for the first time with the senior team. Yeah. And that just felt so surreal. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that Colin and Brent would feel the same way if they saw like Gomez and Greenwood and. A bunch of others on the pitch at the same time. I mean, I'm, you already had like McTominay and Andres Pereira and Rashford and Lingard. Okay, yeah, fine. It must have been feeling pretty good already. Uh, but, but but you 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 can't underestimate the feel good factor about you know people who have uh, made their way through the ranks from like single digit ages and that they're on the on the pitch with the senior team with a club legend managing them. So well, we're optimistic, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the youth will will still come into that. But as I think that for both teams, their best players were actually fullbacks yesterday. Um, I thought Emerson was our best player. He was just fantastic. But also, one has to say for United, Aaron Wan-Bissak, if I pronounce him correctly here, he was phenomenal. Uh, i got to say, he didn't let anyone out. Uh, you know, no, no, um, no chances happen. It was, it was ridiculous. You know, there's. I mean, what, what do you think of Wan Bissaka's performance, uh, guys? 
uh, I, I've been really impressed with him in, throughout the preseason. And I think now that he's kind of tested the waters in an actual competitive fixture, he's he's looked the part. I mean, he was statistically the best right back defensively in the Premier League last season. And he's he's backing that up so far. And uh, he's backing up the massive fee that was demanded for him as well. Um, and obviously, he's much better than Ashley Young <laughs> right back. <laughs> So um, I, I was a bit concerned about Luke Shaw, though. Um, overall, this is it, it's kind of nice for United to have this solid back four. I think Wambasaka and Harry Maguire both showed why they're such important additions to it. Mm. But uh, on like, Chelsea really liked going down our left hand side, and uh, Luke Shaw's positioning worried me quite a few times. Yeah, I mean left hand side, although Pedro. You know, that's something what one can also talk about. What could Chelsea have done better? I don't know how you saw it from a United percent, uh, perspective, Brent, but Pedro was dreadful from my own personal perspective as a Chelsea fan. He was continually giving the ball away. And nevertheless, uh, Chelsea was able to combine well over that left flank of yours, which is, if I'm not mistaken, Luke Sean, Harry Maguire, right? On the left side of the fence. Uh, correct. Um yeah, I mean, from a from a United perspective, and when I mentioned before that there are definite concerns um, that don't go away just because we had a very effective second half. Um, I think number one is that uh, United are extremely open in midfield. Um, Scott McTominay uh, is a decent player, um, could go on to be a decent player for United, uh, but the fact that he's our second best midfielder and uh, first choice next to Paul Pogba in, in a double pivot is scandalous, um, mm. frankly. Uh, Fred is useless. Um, Nemanja Matic, is, uh, his legs have been gone for yeah. over a year. Uh, Andreas Pereira uh, could develop into a player, but could not. You know, he might not be of the required standard mm. in that role. Um, and there's nobody else really. Um, and you could see that in the first half, just how open that midfield was. Uh, and I think United did really well this summer to upgrade that back line. As you mentioned, uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is, I mean, I, I think he is a, a cracking fullback. Mm. Um, and, you know, to fans of some other clubs, you know, seeing a, a fullback do simple things like not get out of position and not get beat one-on-one -on -one might seem very basic. Uh, but yeah. we've watched two clapped out, you know, former wingers rotate between the right-back spot for the last several years. Um, so having an actual right-back at right-back is a revelation. Uh, so we're all excited. Um, and the other side of that is, uh, to go back to your, your previous point, um, is that it exposes Luke Shaw, who somehow was voted uh, United's player of the season last year, which <laughs> says more about United's season than it does about Luke Shaw. Um, unfortunately, he never, since that uh, leg break a few years ago, he never recovered um, the conditioning that he was in uh, before that and, and never the form. Um, and as much as it would be nice to have that uh, back four of a similar age um, Maguire, of course, a couple of years older, you know, grew together. Uh, Luke Shaw is, is not it. And I don't think it's the last time that he will be found out 
um, this season. As quick as he is, you know, he tends mm-hmm. to leave too much space in, in behind him. And if, um, yeah. if Pedro had a better game or, um, you know, maybe if Lampard had um, gone with a different option, uh, he, Chelsea would have been able to take more advantage of that. Yeah. So, I, you know, when I saw the commentators announcing that uh, Luke Shaw was your player of the year last season, I honestly did a, did a double take because I was like, what? Uh, how was Luke Shaw named player of the year? Uh, yeah. uh, on a tangent, like, I remember when Luke Shaw played against us when he was at Southampton when he was 17 years old and he blew my mind that day. It's just sad that he hasn't pushed on since then, but all right, it, it is what it is, I guess. But, yeah, I think I think for most of us now, you know, if you still rate Luke Shaw, it's because you remember uh, about seven games where Luke Shaw looked the best player on the pitch, and that was yeah. in um, I was under Louis Van Gaal, then he broke ah, his, yeah. you know, so we're talking four years ago, and he's yeah. never been that good since. Even last season, when he was, he actually managed to stay fit. He, mm. He's just not that good. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So, you spoke about how maybe if Pedro had a better game, then we could have been in a better position overall. But, so, you know, I was looking at some statistics after the game yesterday to console myself because I thought, oh, we didn't play so badly. I mean, something has to give. So, let me look at the underlying numbers. So, the first thing you do is go and look at at expected goals, obviously. And the expected goals were, I think, 1.6 plus one penalty versus uh, 0.9 in Man United's favor. And that that does match the narrative, I guess, because United eventually ended up having better quality of shots. But then, I mean, it just kept, you know, eating away at me. And I thought that I refused to believe that we got like, there was that big a margin on expected goals as well. So I went and looked at something called a non-shot expected goal model, which... um, basically grades grades teams on, you know, the areas of the pitch they got the ball into. Um, and I looked at something called expected threat as well, which a guy called Karun Singh is um, putting out on Twitter. It's really good stuff. Basically, it tells you, um, it, it it's another way of grading what kind of positions the team gets the ball into. And I saw that uh, Chelsea and United were pretty much par, of course, with expected threat and non-shot expected goals as well. And that United had heavily exploited our right-hand side. That was a recurring theme of, you know, Aspeliqueta uh, leaving a huge, ba- huge gap at the back and, like, Jorginho failing to cover him in that position, or even one of the centre-backs. Like, overall, the, our right side was really vulnerable and you guys exploited it like hell. So that's what the statistical take on the game was. But, you know, if I could, if I could just ask you, Colin, like, what do you think, objectively speaking, uh, that Chelsea could have done better to salvage something more out of the game? Um, well, I, kind of uh, incorporating statistics into it again, um, there was a shot of, it was like valuing the percentage of success from the chances taken in the game. And from each of the saves that David De Gea made, most of them were straight at him. I think the highest percentage of success for the shot was a Pedro shot. It was like 8% success possibility or something like that i i don't really understand a lot of the advanced statistics but it, it, it you you could kind of understand it re-watching some of the chances that chelsea had a lot of them were straight at De Gea or they hit the post and um, probably chelsea's best chances to score were those really dangerous balls across the box that tammy abraham just missed by a couple inches and 
um, it, you know, that it's, it's hard for a young team to just, you know, improve in that area of shot selection because yeah. in the, in the eye test, they looked pretty good. Uh, you know, they were getting a lot of chances and they looked like they were overwhelming United's back four at times, but maybe that's just something that comes with experience because this was a very young side and, uh, like Jimmy said, we'll get more on the youthfulness later, but uh, the commentators were talking about both of these sides being really young, but in fact, I think it was Chelsea really that had to rely on youth more because the young players that played for United, most of them have played in pretty big games now uh, so far in their careers. Apart from Mason Greenwood, I think, right? I mean, he was on the side. Yes, but... uh, Daniel James and Greenwood came on and they're pretty inexperienced. Andres Pereira is, hasn't really played a whole lot of games for United, but he's played in La Liga. Uh, and then Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial, both still young, but have played in you know, cup finals and European ties now. Yeah, I mean, similar for Chelsea, Mason Mount, of course, debut, Tammy Abraham. I think he has already gotten his debut, but this was like his Premier League debut. Ram, correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, oh, it wasn't his debut, actually. He came on twice at the end of the 2015-16 season under Gusetti. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought I was wrong, so thankfully we have the youth master for all <laughs> things Chelsea with us. Um, yeah, so it was, of course, a bit of a, a pickle there. And before we continue, uh, we'll be right back just after this. Okay, and we're back. Um, we were talking about what Chelsea can do better. And before I ask Brent uh, what he think we could have done better, let me just say this. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that Kurt Zuma could have done better on that first goal, well, on the penalty, which was correctly given to United. I think there's no debate there from any Chelsea fan, of course not United fan. So that was just clumsy and showed that he was very, very nervous. And when we're talking about youth and inexperience, one did notice that as soon as that first goal went in uh, by Marcus Rashford, it sucked out a lot of the confidence and it took us about 15 minutes to uh, wrap our heads around that uh, and come to terms with what just happened because that was quite a, a sucker punch. And I think my Mason Mount contributed greatly there. Uh, he did fade a bit in the second half, um, but he was one that was always running at United and testing United's defence but wasn't able to be clinical or take his chances. That was a problem. And I think that is also something that Lampard has to, really has to work on in the training ground, as well as the high line, because the, the gap between defence and midfield was just humongous again, as it was very often in pre-season. But Brent, what, what, what would you say? Um, what could have Chelsea done differently? Uh, what hasn't been said yet? Or would you want to... Um, add to what has been said to one of those takes? Uh, I think there are, there are a couple of things that, that I noticed um, watching the game. Um, and, you know, both of which I think I've, I've mentioned already. Uh, one and probably the most glaring thing is that um, United were really open in midfield. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, yes, uh, there's only so much you can glean from, from pre-season and especially this being uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's first full season 
as manager. Um, but I'm guessing Frank Lampard and his staff did their homework. Uh, you could see that in every preseason game, um, we've been playing with a uh, with two in midfield and an, an attacking midfielder ahead of those two. Um, and it had started to become obvious later on in preseason that Pogba and McTominay were going to be those two. And for the entire first half, you know, Pogba, either because he was struggling with back injury or maybe because he was playing within himself, uh, depending on what your chosen narrative around Paul Pogba is, um, you know, was not at, you know, his, his full capacity. And as much as Lingard is good at uh, pressing from the front, um, you know, there was a, a wide highway uh, for play through midfield. Um, and there was, we were also vulnerable on uh, Luke Shaw's flank. Um, Ram mentioned that United exploited Chelsea's right side, um, and that's because both Martial and Rashford, um, one starts from the left, but the other starts centrally and will tend to drift left because for both of them, those are their two uh, preferred positions. So we tend to overload on that side. And Luke Shaw, for all his uh, deficiencies as a defender, uh, does do well at, at um, joining the attack and getting on the overlap, which is what creates that space in behind. So you're always going to overload on that one side. And I think not taking advantage, whether or not you had the players available because of injuries is another story, but not taking advantage of that vulnerability behind Luke Shaw um, and also not maybe strengthening that midfield. Um, because even in the second half, um, the two goals that Paul Pogba created, um, regardless of what kind of half he had in the first 45, uh, if Chelsea is doing a better job of sticking tighter to him, you know, maybe those two goals don't happen. You know, that first time ball over the top and that uh, run for Dan James's goal at the end. Mm-hmm. So I think those are two things, two big misses mm. on Frank Lampard's part. And as far as adjustments go, um, I don't want to give Solskjaer too much credit, um, even though he did make an adjustment at, at halftime that uh, changed the game, I didn't think it was that complicated. You know, he just moved move United's block back um, 15 yards, 20 yards, something like that, to in, invite Chelsea on because of how um, how open you guys were. And, mm. and then you can see the results of it just being cut to pieces three times in a row. So just, just as a follow-up to that, do you think, if Lampard would have started Christian Pulisic, which was uh, a talking point on Chelsea Twitter yesterday before the game and during and after the game, that's Twitter for you. Um, yeah. Could that have changed things? Um, maybe. Um, you know, in as much as, as Pedro was not um, that effective yesterday, you know, he does give you some direct running, at least as much as, as Pulisic would have. Um, honestly, I think I, I was pleasantly surprised by Mason Mount, um, who I hadn't seen a lot of before. Um, I think even though he had the first big chance of the game, I actually think Tammy Abraham was um, one of, of Chelsea's weaknesses yesterday. Um, he didn't oh, really, he? Yeah, I, I didn't think he, he presented 
Maguire, Lindelof with um, a lot of problems. Uh, okay. Lindelof is, is fairly quick. Obviously, Maguire is, is um, very physical. I didn't think he presented them with anything, anything different um, to uh, to worry about, and he didn't he didn't do a lot of drifting into positions where, um, you know, for a new centre back partnership, there was moments of confusion, you know, between Maguire and Lindelof, not you know, knowing if to go or to stay. Um, you know, maybe you see it. You know, maybe you see it differently, and I I know how it is when you have players that come through your academy, yeah. uh, you're a little more attached to them. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't think he was that effective at all. Yeah, no, fair enough. It's it's always good to hear an objective take because obviously I am I am rather blinded by my bias at times. <laughs> and I also do my best to make sure that Jimmy is as well. So <laughs> just uh, on that note, um, let's just talk about, you know, all the young players that... We've been seeing not only in, you know, yesterday's uh, match day 18s, but all over the Premier League, actually. Because, you know, when we when we talk about yesterday's squads, in in Chelsea's 18, we had, like, not just um, Christensen. No, I mean, Christensen was there, but he's not exactly young anymore. So there was Mason Mount, there was Tammy Abraham. Both of them were making their debuts. There was also Fikeyo Tamori on the Chelsea bench for the first time since uh, early 2016, I think, when he made his debut. And as far as United went, like, I, I obviously spoke about, you know, Rashford and Lingard and McTominay and Pereira, although he's not technically a, an academy product, I think. And there was Mason Greenwood on the bench as well, wasn't there? And there was Axel Zebi, who I thought was pretty good for Aston Villa because I watched quite a, quite a bit of him last season. So, I mean, you know, th- these are just in Manchester United and Chelsea. We saw Arsenal starting Reese Nelson and Joe Willock. Uh, we saw Norwich, albeit you know not a top six team. We saw them with the uh, Jamal Lewis, Max Irons, and Ben Godfrey and Todd Cantwell, four of them in the same same eleven. So, do you think? Do you guys think that this is going to be like a a big season for young players in general? Because there seem to be a lot of them in you know rotational roles and squads uh, yeah, this season. So, Colin, what do you think? And you know, also tell me if you think if you have another United youngster in mind who could be in line to make his debut or, you know, or, or to make add a few more appearances to his tally, like uh, Uncle Gomez or whether it's Ethan Laird or uh, James Garner, maybe. So just give me your thoughts on youth uh, in the Premier League overall and then United, the ones we haven't seen. Yeah, I thought, like you said, we saw a lot of it this weekend. Um, I think maybe in the case of Arsenal, it was a bit more unique because they had... Yeah, squad issues. Um, yeah, they had... Uh, a, Sad Kalasinac and Mesut Ozil were uh, stuck in London over a uh, security scare, which yeah. is unusual Tierney as well. to hear Tierney about. wasn't involved. Yeah, Tierney wasn't there. And uh, I don't think David Luiz or um, Alexandre Lacazette played either. Two players we expected to maybe see this weekend. Mm-hmm. So maybe for Unai Emery, it was more a case of necessity. But I think, or necessity for that day. But with United and Chelsea, I think it's going to be necessity for the entire season. Uh, with Chelsea's transfer ban, they're really going to have to rely on youth. And I think that was probably a big factor in their decision to bring in Frank Lampard, somebody who's kind of specialized in that at Derby and bringing youth players into effective roles to get Derby you know, very near to promotion in a season that 
maybe they weren't expected to make such a run, and they certainly weren't expected to beat Leeds in the playoff. Uh, with United, I think it's also a little bit of a case of necessity for the whole year because we only brought in three players in this transfer window that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said at the end of last season we needed you know, massive structural overhaul. And really, we we lost a starting midfielder and a starting striker and didn't replace them. So I think in yeah. those areas, we'll see maybe uh, Mason Greenwood, as you mentioned, come in. Uh, Angel Gomez can play an attacking role. Uh, Tahit Chong had a pretty impressive preseason, I think. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Um, and uh, in midfield, I think uh, you mentioned James Garner. I, he's played really well um, with the reserve team and the youngsters for the past two years. And he scored a really, really good goal uh, for the U23s this this past weekend. So Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. I think we'll see maybe a little bit more of him. And then in defense, uh, obviously we brought in Harry Maguire. But with Eric Bailly out for probably two to three months, and Phil Jones always on the verge of injury. Uh, I'd, I'd expect to see Axel Twenzebe at some point. Uh, and he was, of course, on the bench over a healthy Chris Smalling and Phil Jones yesterday. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he had a really good season with Aston, with Aston Villa last year. So um, I, I, I'm pretty excited to see how he develops. Yeah, that, that's good. That's good. So, Brent, um I mean, we obviously gushed and we, we gushed and gushed about, you know, our youngsters starting for us. But, I mean, j- just to make sure, it does feel just as good for you, right? Because I, this this feeling was, I mean, it was unknown to me. We, we, at Chelsea, we, we don't do these things. But at United, obviously, it's been part of the, it's been part of the culture for, for a long time. But I think you're heading more towards a shift where, you know, youngsters are more involved in, in the thick of things. So just, just. How good does that feel? Does it add like an extra layer over whatever accomplishments you might have? Oh, it absolutely does. Um, I think if you were, you know, of a generation like for myself, like growing up with the uh, Alex Ferguson teams, it's always been a tradition of, um, you know, youngsters coming through the academy. You know, even if some of it, you know, some of the classes have not been as not every class has been the class of 92. I'll say that. Um, yeah, yeah. But there has been at least a steady stream of one or two first teamers breaking through, um, you know, every every couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I think with this current team, um, one, we have a good a good crop of, of youngsters um, that are emerging or have emerged. Um, and two, it's, you know, partly by necessity because United have, have bought poorly um mm-hmm. and have failed to shift some deadwood um yeah. under the previous you know, three four managers uh, so it's really refreshing to see the new manager um actually put in faith in youth you know not just when a senior player is injured or in a you know league cup um third round matchup against second rate opposition but in the mm-hmm. open uh, Premier League match of the season. Um, like Colin said, you know, Twan Zebe be on the bench as the backup centre-back ahead of a fit Phil Jones, Chris Smalling and, and Marcus Rojo. Really encouraging. Uh, the fact that um, Mason Greenwood, um, you know, came off the bench and the fact that Solskjaer mentioned that part of the reason he was okay moving on, Roman Lukaku, was 
so that he wouldn't block the path to the full steam for Mason Greenwood. Um, I think. Yeah, that's got to be encouraging. Oh yeah, and as we were talking, I should, as a side note, um, I know you had, you had asked this. Uh, Andreas Pereira is a uh, academy product. Oh, is uh, he? Okay. And so is Paul Pogba, technically. Thank you very oh, much. Oh yeah. Oh my God. How did I forget? <laughs> That's very expensive academy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's it's just it's so weird because I just I just forgot about the time he was at Man United. You know. Yeah. That's uh, so that's five five out of six of uh, United's uh, front six yesterday uh, played yeah. for played for the academy, which was uh, really encouraging. Um, and to answer your question about if there are any other young player. Uh, that could break through. Um, Angel Gomez, um, hopefully, uh, he is out of contract next summer. Oh, um, is he? Yeah, he's he's small, but he's he's good, mm-hmm. and I think he's already too good for under twenty three football. And the era of the pitch in which he is most effective, uh, that attacking midfield portion, is a area of weakness for United right now. Um, mm-hmm. Lingard is okay, um, you know, give, works very hard, uh, presses well. He does have moments, but his passing is not consistently good enough. He's not really creative enough to play that role. One matter who I love and who everyone should love, yeah. uh, bless him, uh, <laughs> has declined. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he's good enough to consistently play that role anymore either. Um, so I think there's a good chance we can see Gomez come through. James Garner as well, even though he's only 17. Unfortunately, he, for all I know, could currently be our third best midfielder right now. Um, wow, okay. Yeah, you know, Fred is crap um, and Matic is practically a corpse. So um, It almost hurts to see how low you guys rate Fred. <laughs> It's like well, he's like Bakayoko for us. Well, I, I yeah, think that's he, a good thing because he was compared to Jorginho last summer. I know it's Twitter and all that, but it's still is quite funny thinking back at that. Same with Hazard and Kagawa. <laughs> sorry, he, sorry. He might <laughs> might come good. I mean, I might be exaggerating a little bit just because he tends to vacillate between looking handy. You know, there, there were moments last season where I thought. I'm pretty sure I'm on record as saying Pogba, Fred, and Andreas Pereira was our best midfield. Mm-hmm. You know, classic second game of the season overreaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but he will vacillate between looking really handy because uh, he's good on the ball, you know, good technical ability. He does try things, which yeah. he's the only other midfielder other than Pogba that, yeah. who tries things. Um, so he, you know, vacillates between that and looking like a competition winner. Um, okay. And I think unless he makes you know a huge jump this season, um, might have to write him off as a bust. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so that's as far as uh, some as signing from last summer goes. But yeah. uh, you know, just just um, Colin, I I'm only asking you this because you know because of my own selfish reasons. But can you give me in very few words a take about? Daniel James, because I watched him so much in the championship, and you know he was one of my favorite players in the league because he's so explosive, and I just love him. And it was pretty bittersweet watching him score against us because I love him that much, and and signing for United in the first place. So yeah, just just if you could give me like a, a short take on Daniel James, I'd love that because I want to see your perspective. Yeah, um, Daniel James looks very very young and very raw, but 
he's obviously got the ability to become a special attacking player. Um, and I, I think that he could play anywhere across that attacking three in midfield really, really helps us. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I mean, yeah, I, I am not going to fawn over him any longer. So uh, before <laughs> we move on to the next section, uh, let's take a short break again. And we are back. Um, we have been talking quite a bit about youth products now. And one has to say, United, of course, after this, they're invigorated. Who can blame them? They have lots of bright prospects that we've heard from Brendan Collin uh, at their academy. Chelsea, of course, um, have quite a few themselves. Uh, there are some which are currently injured, like Reese James uh, and Callum Hudson of Doy, of course. Um, Lampard yesterday after the game did actually say that Reese James will probably, not, not actually not probably, he will be playing a big part this season once he returns. And as, I'm sorry, I can't remember who uh, mentioned it, but correctly stated it, as Piliqueta was shocking yesterday, uh, he is on the decline. That is a genuine possibility that he will take over, and I hope he does. I don't care if he played in the championship. My perception on youth players is if you've got it, you've got it. Doesn't matter how like young you are, you can see it with the likes of I think how old was Paul Pogba when he went to Juventus? Very young, right? And he I think got eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, and he he you know hit the ground running. Same with Callum Hudson Odoi. You know, it doesn't matter if he's only eighteen. Or Ethan Ampadu is also one of those from our ranks. Um, and Mason Greenwood seems like uh, really, really good as well, despite being a teenager himself. So, you know, if you're good enough, you you should start. You should be given a chance. And I hope that that's the case. Mount is the perfect example of that. Lampard is trying to do that. But, you know, that can, of course, always have problems uh, that will be involved, um, not only for Chelsea, but maybe for United. You know, they have a young squad, uh, mostly. Um, so my question to you, to, uh, to you guys is how do you think the rest of the season will pan out for United and also for Chelsea? Where will they end up? Will it be a roller coaster ride or will it be, uh, mostly, uh, a good ride this season? Um, let's start with Colin. Um, for United, I, it's impossible for me to say what I think will definitively happen, but uh, this has to be a promising start. I think, and I hate to make this comparison, but when Jurgen Klopp first joined Liverpool, and that was a very you know unorganized team that didn't really have much of a direction after Brendan Rodgers left, and it seemed like a lot of the transfers they'd made didn't make a lot of sense, he did a good job establishing a system before establishing the squad as, you know, contenders. Um, he established an attacking system and, you know, in the Premier League in this day and age, you almost have to be willing to attack. And I think Solskjaer's philosophy and his 4-2-3-1 formation is going to put us in a better position than playing conservatively as we've done under both Louis van Gaal and Jose Mourinho for the past five years. And I think it also gives him the best advantage to succeed with the squad that he has, which is very young and very raw. 
And uh, so I, I'm excited that we're going to be playing attacking football again. But um, I'm not expecting too much. Maybe maybe challenge for fourth um, would probably be our best goal in the Premier League and then maybe go after a cup. Okay. Uh, Brent, what, what would you say? Um, I, I agree with a lot of what Colin said, actually. Um, I think, you know, once the hysteria over the fact that um, we did not sign any midfielders uh, died down and, you know, did not find, did not sign a, a, a wide right attacking player. Um, now I'm sort of looking at this season as, as phase one of, you know, the, the building of a new team. <clears throat> and, you know, similar to what um, Colin said, I mean, there are kind of clear and obvious areas for improvement. Um, but I also think it's important to, you know, establish a style of play and a system. And, and we will get found out, especially against the better teams. Um, you know, we may even play a better version of the Chelsea team. And in the reverse fixture at Stamford Bridge, where we won't be able to be as open in midfield as we were yesterday. Um, and I think if we're as open as that all season, we will hit four against a fair few teams, but we'll also get torn to pieces by, as much as it pains me to say it, the likes of City and, and Liverpool. Um, so in best case scenario, I think that... Champions League qualification, you know, fourth, maybe third, if we get really lucky with uh, how things go for other teams. But I see that as unlikely. Um, and hopefully a trophy. Um, because unlike most uh, Spurs fans, as a United fan that grew up in the era of winning trophies, I think winning trophies is important. You know, even more so than finishing top four or Champions League qualification uh, I think that's like it's part of the building of a of a new team. You know, all of the great Sir Alex Ferguson teams, you could always point to their first cup win. You know, when they learned to win and started to believe, and when um, you know those teams were were sort of solidified. Um, and for Chelsea, I think it will be a lot of growing pains as well. Um, we don't know anything about Lampard at this level. Uh -huh. Not that not we really know much about Solskjaer at this level either. Um, yeah. um, but he at least has managed in the Premier League before. And um, he did have, you know, half a season at, at United. Um, with Lampard especially being under, you know, constraints in the transfer market, it is going to be a lot about how good he is as a manager. You know, being able to work with what he has and I think you have some good youth prospects there to work with yes you had a transfer ban but you're still able to sign one of the most exciting young players in in football in Pulisic True. Um, players return from loan um, so I think there is a, a top six team in there um, but I think there'll be there'll be some current pains and it'll be a test for Abramovich is, as well, you know, will he be patient with a club legend um, when things don't go according to plan? Because I think you may have one or two more days uh, like yesterday. But I also think, you know, you have 
maybe the best sitting midfielder on the planet in Angola County. You have Pulisic, who's um, I think is very, very good. Um, and you have a lot of other pieces there that regardless of, you know, having some inexperience and having an inexperienced manager, uh, there are enough players there who know how to win games at this level where, yeah. you know, sixth is, you know, totally reasonable. Hmm. I mean, that's not necessarily the answer many Chelsea fans will want to hear, but you're right. You know, I, I can only agree with you. Um, actually, before yesterday, I would have said, nah, no problem, you know, a bit biased. We'll end uh, the season you know, above Man United. Now I'm not so sure anymore. I know it's only one game, but that just was kind of a wake-up call after all this euphoria of a club legend returning and um, the good feel that was around the club. It still is. I'm sorry. I don't want to say that it's completely gone after just one loss, but the, the nature of how it came about yesterday was uh, a bit uh, demoralizing. I think one can't really... Uh, fault one for thinking Oof, maybe we should lower our expectations then we can't get um, disappointed and I think that Man United will do reasonably well with that defence I was very impressed so I could see them actually uh, agreeing with you that they could um, get into that top four uh, this season <laughs> yeah. so um, yeah I mean Ram would you still want to say something on uh, where you could see United ending the season? Uh, United. Listen, I, ha- I have a complicated history with United. <laughs> uh, uh, all the kids in school were supporting United when I was like 10 years old. and uh, it, it would be like hell to go to school if they beat Chelsea, which they used to back then. So, I mean, you can imagine the Champions League fan. Anyway. Back, uh, <laughs> back then, are you talking about yesterday? What? No, no. I mean, I'm obviously not in school anymore. <laughs> but like, you, you know, I watched the Champions League final when I was like, yeah, nine or ten years old. The, the Moscow seems like, one. Seems like we still beat Chelsea, right? <laughs> 2008 <laughs> never happened. That that never happened. Yeah, but uh, I mean, uh, so obviously I don't want them to finish in the top four. <laughs> so uh, I mean, yeah. Um, if if I have my way, I'll probably have them finishing like fifth or something. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's a given. Uh, vice versa for our fellow SB Nation writers slash podcasters, they won't necessarily want us in top four. We don't want them. I think that's what makes football so fun. <laughs> rivalry. <laughs> yeah, but... if we're having our own way, I'm gonna say 21 times. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Give it another hundred years. Give or take a few. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that if we can. Um, yes. Yeah, so, unfortunately, um, we're pressed for time here. So, we will have to end today's podcast. But it was despite the <clears throat> disappointment and uh, uncontrollable sobbing from yesterday, I'm actually I enjoyed myself very much today. And I hope you did as well. Thank you for coming on, the two of you. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> we we should definitely do this uh, again once the reverse. After the reverse fix- like, yeah, yeah, after after we beat you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Brent and Colin, do you want to maybe plug yourself uh, 
so that our listeners can follow you, even though many will be Chelsea uh, fans, <laughs> they will be highly interested in hearing about United as absolutely when they lose. So where can they find you on the social media platform? <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ColinTheShots95 and uh, uh, follow the Busby Babe at the Busby Babe on Twitter. And uh, you can find the Busby Babe podcast wherever uh, you get your podcast, Spotify, and Apple, Podcoin, Stitcher. Uh, pick your poison. Uh, yeah, I am, um, I am on Twitter at the um, imaginative handle of my first and last name, at Brent Maximin. Uh, and you can find me on the Busby Babe. Our Twitter handle is after Busby Babe. Um, so click on over um, through your Espination portal and uh, come check us out. Absolutely do that. We will have for the next time maybe even a view from the opposition or a view from the enemy as, they, as we have done in the past. Yeah, that's all from us for this week. Um, just some words here now at the end we will be looking to put our episode for this week on all the available platforms that includes itunes and spotify and google podcasts with the submission time that it's is needed it's a bit difficult um at the latest we'll hopefully have it next week but i'm hoping for it to already be the case tomorrow yes that's all from us and as always, keep the blue flag flying high and up the chills. <laughs>